God's grace, his mercy, his peace are yours through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we turn our attention to him. I'd like to just revisit two verses from the miracle that Jesus performed, the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. These are the words considering Jesus. My son has recently married a newly employed in New Orleans, Minnesota, one of the better restaurants in town. They assigned him to be a cook, and after two days of, of training, quick training, uh, one of the main cooks w fell sick, and uh, he was called in on the evening hour, rush hour, and they were having a special. It was two pasta dishes for $20, and guess which station Henry was working at? It was the pasta station, and he found himself in a little bit of a panic because all of a sudden on the screen, 19 orders for pasta appeared at the same time. And he was a one-man team at that point because he didn't really have backup, and so he stares at all the orders, and he stares at all the ingredients, and he's the one that has to put this together and make it in a timely way because people are waiting. Waitresses' tips are determined by how quick the food gets out and whether it all comes out together. Makes you almost cringe a little bit, right? Because he was so poorly trained, hadn't been given much experience, and then they asked this. But this really pales in comparison. If you've ever had a job like that, when it seems like they are asking too much, they throw you into something too soon, and you can't really see your way out of it, and there you are, though, facing it. What do you do? Well, let's compound that out greatly to the disciples because they saw a problem arising as they were out trying to just take some time for solitude, but the people came running. They, they heard of Jesus. They saw what Jesus could do. They wanted to hear Jesus be touched by Jesus. And then out in a solitary place, thousands of people gathered. And, and as the day progressed and as things went on, the sun was getting down in the sky, they kind of realized, wait a second, um, there's a lot of people here and they're all going to want to eat. Maybe the disciples' stomachs were getting a little hungry too and they thought there's, there's no way that, that we can feed this group here. They need to be dispersed. And so they already saw the facts in front of them of what was going on and they also kind of had a plan, plan formulated in their mind and so they went to Jesus to kind of tell them, all right, let's stop talking now. Your next words need to be, Go home. Go back to the towns and villages from where you came from to go get food and the things you need because we can't do that here. That, that seems logical, right? When faced with something that seems overwhelming, that many people, I mean, this is like, uh, it's more than the population of Lake Mills in a field, and, and now they're hungry. What do you do? Jesus does something that, that is kind of shocking, right? Where, where he takes that question and that, that suggestion and that seems so logical to the disciples and he throws it right back with that statement, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And evidently they must have looked around to see if there was any other option and they had a small boy's lunch, you know, a few fish and a couple loaves of bread and that's about all that they could gather. No one really thought ahead. 
And they thought, this can't be, this, this amount of food, this many people. Jesus, you don't know what you're asking. You're asking too much. What do you do when it appears that Jesus asks too much of you? Does that ever happen? I think it does in life when you think about the things that, that Jesus allows. He's in control of all things. That he allows these things to come upon us, and it seems too much. You try to be good parents, protecting your kids, doing all the right things, and then COVID hits or, or some kind of sickness hits. And it's nothing that you did, but now you're facing a new dilemma, a different problem, and you, you wonder, this is too much. These decisions are are too hard. You, you are working hard in a marriage and a family, and, and then your, your spouse isn't treating you like you think you should be treated, and, and you try really hard to do what you need to, to do, and you think you're doing everything, but it just, it's just not working. And then and it seems like, God, you're asking too much when you say, stay. And, and then you think that you're going to have this job and you're making your way up and it seems like promotions aren't there and now because of all the other responsibilities money is getting tight and it seems at times you can't make ends meet and you have nowhere else to go what do you do what do you do when god asks you to make moral choices he asks you to prioritize him above all things and then you just look back at at your week and you look back at the challenges that you faced and you know that they're going to be out there when you go out to face them anew after you gather in his house and it seems like you're asking too much. I, I can't do that. I can't be what you ask. I can't be what you demand. You try to be a good student and you don't even know how school's going to look and you try to get good grades but it's just not happening. You try to be healthy. God says take care of your body and you try to make right choices and exercise a little bit but the, the, the doctor still says these problems persist. What do you do when it seems like you're facing too much and the answers aren't, aren't coming clearly? A lot of times what we do is we look to God and say, too much. We look to God and say, can't do it. And sometimes the emotions that follow are frustration or, or anger. I can't do this. This this is beyond what I'm capable of doing, what I can see doing. And the disciples, all they had to look at was a couple fish and a few loaves of bread. And, and they thought that that was the only answer that they could offer. And it wasn't good enough. There was no way out of this. Send them home, Jesus, was their thought. Jesus says, no, they can stay right here. You feed them. Why does he do that? If God has the power to make things perfect, why doesn't he just make them perfect? Why not a revisit to the Garden of Eden right here? Well, there's a few things we learn here about the heart of Jesus. He is a lot deeper than just the miracle. He isn't here just to show off his power as God and to feed a few bellies. First of all, we have to see what Jesus, it shows where his heart is, what Jesus was willing to do in the very beginning of this, this dialogue. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately. That leads off of something else Jesus just learned. What Jesus had just learned was that his cousin, John the Baptist, the forerunner that had just baptized Jesus, because of a drunken promise and a young girl's request had just been beheaded to be presented on a platter at a party. I don't know about you, but if a relative dies that way, you kind of take a step back, right? 
Jesus had just, on the heels of that news, said, I want to go and grieve for a moment here. This is all, you know, part of God's plan that, that John would be the forerunner for a time, but the way that it ended, that's just shocking to anybody. And so Jesus and his disciples said, let's get away for a few moments. I just need to recharge, reset. But then the people came, and the people came, and they came, and they came, and they saw that Jesus was there, and they crowded him, and then he looked with compassion upon them, and he couldn't help it. No recharging for me. I need to be for them what they need. I need to be the Savior. I need to be God in the flesh. And so he healed them and he helped them and he listened to them and he solved their problems and he did it until the end of day. Jesus cares. When he allows things to happen in our lives, it's not because he wants to show that he's distant and you're on your own. Quite the contrary. Jesus knows everything about you better than you do. He already knows about tomorrow and hasn't given you a sneak peek at that yet too because you need to trust in him. And so sometimes when these things come, is it just, just God testing us? And we often look at tests and say, I hate tests. I was glad when I graduated, so I didn't have to take any more tests. I don't like taking tests for driving. I don't like taking tests because it means I have to work hard and I'm gauged on the results of my performance. But Jesus tests us because he wants our faith to grow and to be focused on what? Our own solutions? As we look at the facts and deduce some logical conclusions? No. He tests us so that we look to him. That's where the disciples needed to look. They were talking to him, but really giving suggestions past him. Had they so quickly forgotten, even though moments earlier they had seen people that were sick be healed? And they come to Jesus with better earthly solutions that only their mind could grasp because their mind wasn't going beyond that. That's where faith has to kick in and trust in God. And that's what Jesus is putting on display here, an opportunity to see him as God and the God that can do all things. And so Jesus addresses this to show this, this parable, or this, this miracle, to show that, that he is true God, nothing is outside of his grasp. And then right here and now, he's going to feed some bellies, but it's way more than that. He wanted to show his disciples today what he's capable of doing that you can't do, though it may seem he's asking too much. Jesus is the solution. It can do anything. And his disciples got to participate in it, too. Jesus said, bring it to me. What? The solution you think you have. Bring the, the fish and the loaves to me, and I will make this a solution that actually solves the problem. And all Jesus did was he directed his eyes towards heaven, said a few words of thanksgiving, and then he just started breaking fish and bread. And the disciples were running back and forth with basketfuls of, of food to feed thousands of people. And they're going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and handing it down aisles and rows. And all the people are taking what they need to feed their bellies. And all of this was being done before their very eyes. And so Jesus, his request was, you feed them. And you know what the miracle was? They got a chance to feed them. But Jesus was doling out the goodness. Jesus was the one that was the answer, giving this, this food that was just what was needed. But Jesus didn't come just to feed bellies. 
He came to cure hearts. He came to be the solution, not just for the sickness that was cured here or for the hunger that was put uh, at rest for a few moments only for the next meal that would be needed, but he came to be the permanent solution. He allows his power to be on display so we could see our Savior as true God in the flesh, the one promised long ago, the one that through Pharaoh and through Joseph fed the masses in whole then known civilization by having some abundant years so that in the, the, the years of famine it could be fed. The God who puts food in your fridge and the ability to work in your hands, and this same God is the one who contained himself in flesh so that he could live perfectly under, under God and he could never utter these words to God, though his human nature would scream it. God, too much. You're asking too much. It kind of reminds you of the conversation in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? If there's any other way, but then he went and did it. He became the solution for our greatest need. He came and solved and cured the problem of sin. He came and took away the sin of death. He promises life forever. Even though this life, your life here, may end, and it will, Jesus says it never ends when you turn to me. You think that these problems you face are too much. Jesus says, no, they are just right, and I'm testing you to turn to me. Jesus is the solution. He gives us what we need. He gives us peace of heart, the ability to trust in him that can handle all things, even when things seem too hard or unknown, when our earthly solutions are just what we see in our hands or what we are experiencing in our minds and in our hearts. Jesus says, no, it's way bigger than that. My plan for you is not going to end in this moment, in this challenge, but I'm going to give you faith to get through it, and you're going to be stronger for it. The best part of this miracle is really how it ends. Not the numbers of people that were eating, but you know what the disciples got together? Basketfuls full of leftovers. Think about that. They didn't know how the little bit of food that they had was going to feed anybody. It's a boy's lunch. And now there are 12 basketfuls of leftovers, and maybe God did that strategically. 12 disciples, every one of them had a basket full of food that was more than they started out with. And they're staring at the excess in this miracle and had to say, wow. This is Jesus, right? This is how Jesus solves the problems that we face in life. He allows us to look in the basket and see leftovers, more than we need. Our wants become needs, but no, no, Jesus just says, leave the wanting aside, and maybe that's the first place. What's, what's in your basket? Do your wants exceed what, what you really need? Jesus knows the exact balance, and so maybe he won't give you all the riches that in your mind you think you can earn or deserve, but maybe what he will give you is an added measure of contentment to see what you have and, and rejoice in it. What is it that you face right now? Is it something that, that is just just looming in your life, and maybe you haven't faced anything yet. Maybe right now this message is kind of lost in you because you're living life unscathed, but I promise you, living in this sinful world, surrounded by all that is out there with a devil heart at work, you're going to face something that's going to rock your boat. And you're going to say, too much. Remember where to turn, turn to Jesus and, and look at what Jesus will leave 
in the basket for you. More than leftovers, it's the proof that he will do more than you're able to ask. If, if it's sickness or the worry of death, maybe he won't cure what you have, but, but maybe he'll give you opportunity to be his witness to all those people around you. I've seen this happen so many times, and it's far better than being given the cure. You've got to be someone else's answer to what they were facing. You've got to be Jesus to them. Do, do you see how this works? Not always what we look to our solution with fish and bread. It's too small. We look to Jesus' solution, which is big and solves, and then we also get even more than we need. I, I pray that this, this miracle of Jesus resonates in your heart today, that whatever it is you are facing, if it, if it seems too much or looming, whatever social or emotional or physical or financial issue that you face, Jesus already knows. He's more in tune to what you need than even you are. Don't look at your solution, the bread and the fish. Look at Jesus. Look to Jesus because he will give you more than you need. Amen.